This is Tennessee Talks with United States Congressman Tim Burchett. Hello, I'm Congressman Tim Burchett, and welcome back to Tennessee Talks. I'm very glad to be joined today for this episode by Ambassador Shall B. Kim. Did I get that right, Ambassador? Yes, very good. <laughs> Pretty close. All right. Now, you've been Taiwan's ambassador to the United States since July of 2020. Is that correct? Yes. Great. And before taking on her current role, she served four terms in the Taiwan legislature and was a senior advisor to Taiwan's president. Every day, Ambassador Shao is, is working on strengthening our two countries' relationships, and I'm extremely supportive of the work she does on behalf of our allies in Taiwan. Ambassador Shao, thank you so much for joining Tennessee Talks. It's great to have you on the show. Thank you, Congressman. I'm uh, delighted to be here, and I thank you for the opportunity to introduce Taiwan to your listeners and to the people of Tennessee. Yes, ma'am. Well, thank you. We've had a good relationship with y'all, and um, and we we love we love that. And I, if I can go on get into our questions, um, and I want to say thank you too. You're always a gracious host when I've been by to visit, and uh, you're you're wonderful, and you're very well thought of up here. So thank you so much, ma'am. Well, thank you again for these opportunities to engage and to work together to strengthen our relationship. Yes, ma'am. Now, now when I say something, it's going to be from East Tennessee. So if I need to slow down or, or get you a translation, you just let me know, okay? And um, but in my opinion, uh, Vladimir Putin, is I think he's a thug. I think he's still waging an unprovoked war against Ukraine. And the outcome of this war has major implications, I think, especially in Taiwan, for Taiwan. And we know the Chinese Communist Party is closely watching what's going on in Ukraine with regards to its aggressions towards Taiwan. I wonder how are the folks in Taiwan feeling about the conflict between Ukraine and, and Russia? Well, uh, we are following the conflict closely. Um, the brutality and the humanitarian suffering uh, uh, has deeply touched um, the sympathies of the people of Taiwan. Um, though historically, uh, we are very different uh, from Ukraine and our geopolitical circumstances are different. But uh, I think we have one thing in common, and that is the people of Taiwan and Ukraine um, live next to a aggressive uh, authoritarian uh, neighbor uh, that has been bullying and threatening uh, our nascent democracies. Um, the people of Taiwan have worked for decades, uh, some people sacrificing their lives uh, to fight for democracy and the freedom uh, that we enjoy today. Uh, we cherish our freedom, and as we um, are watching uh, the conflict, uh, we feel that we are not a bystander, uh, and that is uh, we feel obligated to be supportive of the people of Ukraine, and that is why Taiwan also joined the sanctions um, led by the United States and other democracies uh, against Russia, and uh, we are also providing humanitarian support to the people and the refugees of Ukraine. You pretty much answered my follow-up on that. It was I was curious about why would it be successful for Ukraine um, to be involved in in um, it's important to y'all that, that that Ukraine re re remains free from from Russia just as much as uh, you all need to be free from communist China. So I I guess you pretty much answered that. But um, in the days leading up to 
to Russia's invasion to, to the Russian invasion, President Biden shared critical U.S. intelligence with China's Xi Jinping, and um, President Xi then betrayed our trust. And of course, he gave that intelligence to Vladimir Putin. And this was a really bad look for our country. Um, should the United States be a little more cautious in our interactions with the Chinese Communist Party? Well, uh, I think um, the United States gave China a chance uh, to do the right thing. Um, as a global power and a, um, the U.S. gave China the opportunity to be responsible, uh, to use its leverage to try to stop uh, this uh, humanitarian disaster to stop the conflict, but China did not um, use that information uh, in a way that reflects its global power and standing. Um, and I think this chance was given. Um, and in regards to sharing uh, information with China, I think it's uh, important to share information to the extent that that information is strategically uh, important in achieving uh, certain goals. Um, and, and I think China has been given the chance and uh, China's inability or refusal to act responsibly and uh, uh, actually to the contrary, uh, China um, demonstrating sympathies uh, towards Russia and instead accusing NATO and the United States and Ukraine of provoking this, um, I think demonstrates that uh, China is not reliable uh, that we have to be much more vigilant about the Communist Party of China. Uh, we have to be um, working. We we have to work harder towards, um, you know, responding to um, the possibility that China might also follow the footsteps of uh, their longtime friend and ally, Russia. That's why you're a diplomat, ma'am, and I'm not. <laughs> You, as you handle that very well. Um, what, do you, what do you think the latest is on the Chinese Communist Party's hostile behavior towards Taiwan? And, and what, do you, what is Taiwan doing to deter communist China? And how can the U.S. help Taiwan in this regard? Well, China has been threatening uh, Taiwan for decades. Um, these threats have intensified uh, ever since Taiwan started to turn towards democracy. Uh, we had our very first presidential election in 1996, so we are a young democracy, uh, but for the first time we were electing our own leader. And China responded by firing missiles um, towards Taiwan. Uh, we're grateful for the United States uh, for at the time for uh, demonstrating a U.S. commitment uh, to uh, Taiwan's peaceful evolution towards a democracy. Um, since then, uh, we have been working hard to fortify our democracy and in light of the continuing threats and China's increasing capacity to operationalize uh, those threats uh, in a military way, uh, Taiwan has also increased our own investments in our self-defense. Uh, we thank the United States and our friends in Congress like you uh, who have continued to support um, the policy of uh, strengthening Taiwan's self-defense. Um, we have relied heavily on the United States for selling us uh, arms and uh, for supporting um, our uh, evolution in our own technologies as we develop our own defense systems as well uh, in countering uh, these uh, growing threats. Uh, we have to 
um, admit, though, that uh, we are in a precarious situation where China uh, is growing in its aggressiveness and its strength, and we are in an asymmetric situation, and that is we are in no position to engage in an arms race with China. So we have to be strategic, uh, we have to be tactical, uh, we have to target asymmetric capabilities uh, that will deter uh, the Chinese from taking action. Uh, our ultimate goal is to prevent an invasion or attack from ever happening. And uh, so we want to work with you, the United States, as well as other uh, responsible stakeholders in the region in ensuring that peace and stability will prevail, uh, that freedom and democracy will also prevail in our region. Okay, great. Uh, let's switch gears a little bit. I, I want to talk a little about your all's response to the coronavirus pandemic. Your country was one of the earliest success stories in shutting down the virus. What do you think made Taiwan so successful in that endeavor? Well, uh, we try to learn from the past. And in 2003, we suffered uh, from a SARS uh, pandemic uh, that also came from China. And since then, we had been carefully uh, monitoring um, emerging, uh, uh, emerging epidemics and the uh, health, public health situation in China. Having the advantage of uh, speaking and understanding the Chinese language, um, our experts uh, detected uh, some conversations among Chinese medical professionals and um, also tried to alert the World Health Organization at an early stage of um, COVID-19's uh, evolution. Unfortunately, uh, the WHO has continued to exclude Taiwan uh, from participating and from having a formal role in working with the global health community in countering um, global health crises. And uh, so we started at least uh, on Taiwan's part uh, early in preventing this. From all the lessons we learned uh, from SARS in 2003, we knew we had to increase our production and stockpile of PPEs. Uh, we knew we had to quarantine uh, Chinese travelers at an early stage. We did all of this. Uh, we also tried to share um, our efforts and to alert the rest of the world on what was happening. Uh, we managed to keep COVID pretty much out of Taiwan um, until recently, and uh, we we uh, now have a surge in uh, new COVID cases in, in Taiwan, but we're trying to learn to deal with the pandemic in a way that uh, is is open, that's democratic, that has the participation and um, information, transparency, information sharing uh, involving our, our public that is working with the government uh, uh, together in combating COVID-19. We also uh, try to play a constructive role on a global level and we thank you and your colleagues in Congress for passing a unanimous uh, resolution um, in Congress uh, supporting Taiwan's uh, observership uh, in the World Health Organization, too. Yeah, I remember the World Health Organization obstructed Taiwan from helping the global community, of course, during the pandemic. And uh, I just, um, why, why do you think ultimately the World Health Organization was opposing Taiwan? Was it connections to China or the communists or what was it? Well, it's an uh, unfortunate uh, reality that China has skillfully uh, utilized its uh, global leverage to marginalize and isolate Taiwan, 
to block Taiwan's uh, international participation. And this is not only a problem with the World Health Organization, it is also a problem with other international institutions like the United Nations and um, Interpol. Um, Taiwan is uh, blocked from uh, playing a constructive role in, in working with others to stop global crime. Uh, we are also blocked from the International Civil Aviation Organization. Um, and and you know, given um, the the importance of inclusion, I mean, you know, whether it is is working on global health or working on civil aviation safety, uh, these are organizations where inclusiveness uh, is critical uh, to working together. Uh, we can, you know, imagine that leaving certain parts of uh, the world community uh, out of these uh, global institutions um, will have detrimental consequences um, on global health as well as um, the health and safety of of of, of others uh, around the world. And so uh, again, you know, China's influence, and I want to call it malign influence, uh, because they are trying to introduce language uh, like uh, uh, Xi Jinping thought. Uh, into uh, the United Nations. Uh, they are trying to lobby others in the United Nations uh, to, to go by Chinese human rights standards, uh, Chinese developmental standards. And uh, as a democracy, as a freedom-loving uh, society, uh, the Taiwanese people um, really want to stand with other democracies in, in countering uh, such malign influence. And, uh, it is unfortunate that uh, China continues to have the upper hand in marginalizing and isolating Taiwan. And on this point, again, I want to thank you and your colleagues in Congress for uh, speaking up on, on this uh, injustice and uh, on, on, on highlighting the importance of uh, keeping the global community inclusive of uh, democracies like Taiwan. Thank you, ma'am. I guess we'll we'll close it out here, but as we always allow folks they want to ask me a question or or take a shot at me. This is this is the time they do it. Do you have any questions you'd like to ask me? Well, um, you know, I, I think a lot of Taiwanese people are eager to deepen the partnership with the United States. Um, our economic and trade relationship is actually relevant to all American people and. Taiwan plays a critical role in the supply chain. And so I think my, my question to you is, um, what is your assessment on uh, the American people's uh, attitude towards um, deepening trade and you know, developing trade agreements with other democracies uh, like Taiwan um, as we work together in fortifying those uh, supply chains around the world? I think it's incredibly strong. But I always say the American public, um, and I'm guilty of this too, uh, we want our pizzas in 30 minutes or less, and that's about our attention span, you know, and we're going to drive across town to save a nickel. And what we need to do is start focusing on our friends and exposing our enemies for what they really are and put the U.S. economic might behind that and quit and just quit buying things from our enemies or people that, that, that want to destroy us. Um, the communists, Chinese communists, you know, they've, they put these institutes all over the, the country in our houses of education 
basically just to infiltrate and indoctrinate our kids. And we kicked them out of a lot of them, but they just scatter. And I think we need to educate the public much better. And it's um, and we need to start doing it in our schools and our public schools and in our town squares and start talking about uh, the <clears throat> the Uyghurs and people like that who are slave labor that are making things that we we have to have. And, you know, and through the the Chinese Communist Belt and Road Initiative, I, you know, they they go into these smaller countries or larger countries and they they uh, figure out a need they they have, and they isolate it, and then they bankrupt the comp- country, and then they take basically bring their people in and take it over. It's um, I'm sure there's a lot more scientific uh, uh, analogy of that than that, but that's basically what they do, and it's a takeover. And we we've, we've got to be better as a country. We've got to educate our folks. So. I, I, for one, you know, I, my father, I always tell this, my mama, she flew an airplane during the Second World War. She lost a brother fighting the Nazis, but daddy fought the Japanese all the way across the Pacific and then went to China after the war and fought the communists there. And and uh, he saw the, the the true free Chinese folks. And um, and I think that was until he went to his grave. That was one of his greatest regrets is that we turned our back on our friends and and the world is suffering for it now. When we, hey, my lights just went out. There it goes. <laughs> a light sensor there. Um, some cost-saving uh, stuff by the federal government right there. But no, but uh, no kidding aside, we we've got to we need to educate our folks and let them know. And I think if we do that, at some point, America will will turn and say we've we understand the supply chain thing, and a lot of it has to do with us doing business with our with people that aren't friendly to our country and are not good people. And, um, and we need to punish them for that. So anyway, um, I guess that's, that's, that's a long answer. I apologize. Um, uh, ambassador, I, I should have given you a better, uh, more concise answer, but it's not one I could just put in a little, little, uh, sound blip, but, uh, ambassador, I want to thank you so much for your valuable time today. It's always, I always love when we inter- interchange ideas and things, and you're, you've been great about coming to us and allow us to come to you and talk about things. And your position always uh, has allowed us to get valuable insight in some of these crucial events that have been happening around the world. And I appreciate you sharing those events with me and my listeners today. And, and I'm Congressman Tim Burchett, and I want to thank you all for listening to this episode of Tennessee Talks. Thanks for listening to this episode of Tennessee Talks. Please subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Keep up with Congressman Burchett by following at Rep Tim Burchett on Twitter and Instagram and at Congressman Tim Burchett on Facebook and YouTube.